And so now let's take a look at this short video clip and then Luke Hazelmeyer, one of our young adult pastors, will be up to share the message. Cut more than you had to, didn't you? Sure. Well, why did you do that? You work here. Don't you want good insurance? Don't need it. Never been sick. Perfect immune system. Okay, well, if you've never been sick, then you don't have any antibodies. I don't need them. Superior genes. I'm a shrewd. And superior brain power. Through concentration, I can raise and lower my cholesterol at will. Why would you want to raise your cholesterol? So I can lower it. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Luke, one of the young adult pastors here. Thank you all for being here. Man, it is packed in here today. This is awesome. It's about to be fun. All right, before I say anything else, I want to invite two of my dear friends up, Stephen and Sydney. Will you come up onto the stage, please? Give them a round of applause. <clears throat> you might wonder, why am I clapping for these two if you don't know them? Um, this is Stephen in Sydney. Stephen has been an intern, if you haven't got to meet him yet, at this church for the past six months. Sydney is a worship leader and a Bible study leader at one of our house groups in Forest Park. And these two, in nine days, are moving to Berlin, Germany for life as missionaries. Yeah. And so, really crazy, we wanted to, I wanted to give them a chance to share a little bit about what they're going to be doing. So, Stephen, take it away. Thanks. So, last summer, I had an internship with a vineyard church in Berlin. And on the last day of the internship, the, the head pastor comes up to me and he goes, Hey, I really see how much that you love the German people and that you love this city. And he goes we're starting this program that we really want you to come back and do. And that'll be next year, so in nine days. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, but he didn't really tell us much about it. He says, we're still working on it. We'll let you know when we figure out what exactly it is. And so about six months later, we Skype him. And he goes, hey, so we figured out exactly what you're going to be doing. And we said, great, what is it? And he goes, we really want you to start a young adults ministry in the city. But we want it to have a focus on power evangelism and discipleship, which, if you don't know, is pretty much exactly like house group. So we said, well, you know, we can help you with that. That's easy. But as cool as that is, you might be thinking, what's the point, right? I mean, Europeans know about God. Germans know about God. This is the country of Bonhoeffer and, you know, Martin Luther. But the fact is that religion has been almost all but stamped out, especially in Berlin. Berlin is a city of about 3.5 million people, and of that, about 1% go to church regularly. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I read a study done by a church in Berlin where they went out and they interviewed 100 random people on the street and asked them who Jesus was, and not a single person could answer the question. And so to us, that's, I mean, that's just unacceptable. That's, if that happened here, you, know, you just couldn't even imagine. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to start this and to, to change Berlin. And the, um, the way that Germany is in the European Union is, makes it so that if you can influence Berlin, it by default influences the rest of Europe as well. So if we can change the mindsets of Germans, we can change the mindsets of the rest of Europe as well. 
So if you would like to know more or have any questions for us, then we'll be around after, and we would love to answer any that you have. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Stephen. Yeah. Man, I love the 1115 crowd so much. I love all the other crowds too, but you guys are precious. All right, Sydney, you want to share a little bit about how uh, you were called to be a missionary to Germany? Yeah, so um, my senior year of high school, I was invited to go to Germany. And this was before I was even following Christ. And I said, heck yeah, I'll go to Germany. It was to teach about special education and positivity in the classroom, which I have a huge passion for. And this was, they invited me before me and Stephen even started dating. Um, But before I went, we started dating. And Stephen said, you know, just look at the environment. See if you love the people, if you like the food, if you love the culture. And I did. When I came back, um, I had an earning for my heart. And I didn't understand why it hurt so much to leave. Um... And a few months later, after Stephen came back from his internship, he said, now are you coming to Germany with me? And I was like, I don't, I don't really know. So I went to the park, and I walked around, and I was listening to the iTunes radio to have something background noise. And um, my earpiece fell out, and I kept praying, like, God, please, please give me a sign. Am I supposed to be going to Germany with Stephen? Am I supposed to be doing your work there? Am I supposed to stay here? Do we have a bigger plan for me? And as I picked up my earphone... Um, iTunes radio had a commercial and it said, why not do it? Study abroad. You're young. (laughs) 19 through 23 years old. Why not do it? And I was like, all right, God, I can do that. So I decided that I'd be going with Steven. So after a year of saving up though, and working hard at our jobs, we're still short $4,000. And if any way possible that you would want to partner with us financially with prayer, we appreciate it more than anything. And we just really want to give a thank you to our family and our friends and the community and the church so much because we would not be able to be going without you. And it means the absolute world to us. Thank you so much. And like Stephen said, we'll be here at the end of the service. If you have more questions for us, we're more than happy to answer them. Thank you so much, everybody. Awesome. So let's pray for these two. If you two want to take a step down, and maybe if you uh, know Stephen or Sydney, you want to come up and lay hands on them as we pray for them, just come on up. I'm going to have Carson, a fellow leader at the Forest Park House Group, say a quick prayer for them. And if you feel that tug on your heart to give them financially for their trip, come see them up here in the front left after the service and please be generous. They need all the help they can get and we're so excited for them. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come and and anoint Stephen and Sydney. Fill them up even more. Reinforce their calling, Jesus. We ask God that you would just subdue the nations before them, that they would walk in power in Germany and in Berlin, um, that you would make the word that you would make your word run swiftly and that you would increase the effectiveness of their ministry, Jesus. Holy Spirit, well up in them. Give them vision and mission to understand what you're doing and what your, what your plan is for Germany and Berlin and just partner along with them in that. We just release your presence and your blessing We just thrust them forth into this ministry, Jesus.
Thank you, God, for what you're doing in them right now and what you're already starting in Berlin. You're such a good father. Release that revelation over Berliners. Thank you, Jesus. Just release um, even more financial prosperity over them that you would provide for them in every way. Um, Set up divine appointments with people in positions of power in Berlin so that they can um, get through any um, bureaucracy um, with swiftness. Make their path straight and just open doors for them. We're asking you to break down um, iron doors and, and, and bars of, of bronze for them, Jesus. We release that for you. You're the, the spirit of the breaker go before them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. We love you, Stephen and Sydney. We're so excited for what God's going to do through both of you. Okay. Well, we've been in a series this summer, a series that I've really enjoyed. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's called Life in the Wild. And the basic premise is that sometimes people will tell us, or we might think that when we become a Christian, life becomes easy There are no longer struggles. We don't experience pain. We are perfect in our relationships. And um, our bank accounts just increase whenever we need more money, supernaturally. Um, And then we live a week as a Christian and realize, oh, that's not the case. Actually, this world is wild. And what this series is about is that In the wild, in the brokenness of this world, when struggles come our way, when we experience pain, we want to not only survive, but we want to thrive. And we want to, and actually Jesus came and and designed us as born again Christians in such a way that we could thrive in this wild world. So... That's the point. And when Van Cochran, the senior pastor here, opened up this series, he started off out of a verse in 1 Peter. Let's read that. This is 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read just one verse, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to focus on that first phrase. Prepare your minds for action. You see, when we get born again and we become believers, God does a mighty transformative work in our hearts so that we are completely made new. And we have the heart and the righteousness of Christ. But as we live out this freedom that he has given to us, the major task we have at hand is seeing that heart reality um, transport or see that heart reality align rather with our minds and how we perceive the world and how we act. And what that is called is the renewal of the mind. We're going to dive into a scripture out of Romans 12 in a second that talks about the renewing of the mind. But the renewal of the mind is serious business 
for all of us as believers. In fact, we kind of have two choices. We can either prepare our minds for action, allow our minds to be renewed according to the knowledge of God, and see ourselves become more like Jesus, or we can stick to the thinking patterns of the world and see our circumstances, our sinful desires, and stress and fear and emotion be that which controls us. And so to conquer that is to experience the renewal of the mind. And that's what I'm going to be sharing on. There are kind of two ways that I have, ex- that I've, or two uh, fruits rather, two positive results of the renewal of the mind that I want to talk about. There's many more. pastor named Bill Johnson out of Bethel, he teaches on the renewed mind and he takes a different angle than what I'm going to share. But the two major results of the renewal of the mind that I want to talk about is number one, when our minds are renewed, we experience victory over sin struggles in a way that we couldn't before. And we realize that it's not about trying harder or mustering up more willpower to overcome sin, but it's by allowing ourselves to see the way that God sees. And from that, we we achieve the victory. Second major result I've seen of the renewal of the mind is that in my life, the peace that I have in Jesus, I'm seeing that less and less is it robbed from me based on circumstances and what other people might say or do. See, we are called as believers to constantly be at peace on the inside and not let anything on the outside, um, any struggles financially or anything that a person might say or do to us, any circumstance compromise what Jesus has put on the inside. That we are always okay, regardless of what's going on outside because of Jesus. Those are the two major fruits. And kind of the two ways that this will happen is one, an instantaneous work of the Holy Spirit in the moment. It's like a burst of freedom. And I truly believe that there are people in this room right now who are going to experience instantaneous, miraculous freedom from stuff that they're struggling with this morning. And I, uh, I love it when God works that way. The second way that mind renewal happens is that we choose to engage in a process. God loves working in the moment. God also loves working in process because it's in the process that character is formed in us, really. Most of the time when God is forming character in us, it's through a process. Sometimes days, sometimes months, sometimes years, sometimes our whole life. And so the renewal of the mind is a choice to say, I'm going to step into this process and I'm going to live this out and I'm going to see the way I think transform from the way the world thinks to the way that God thinks. You know, there, it is possible for people that really, really, really love God to think like the world. It is possible for people who are absolutely in love with Jesus to still think like the world. If I love God with all of my heart, yet I still make decisions out of fear, 
I am thinking like the world does. We never need to make decisions out of fear. We have nothing to fear because of Jesus. And so mind renewal helps us not only um, overcome sin, but also think like God thinks. And they're two really, really important things. And so the question I want to start off by posing is this. Why is it that we as that we as born-again believers and Christians can oftentimes have a lot of love for God, but still struggle with sin. What is it? Because I don't know about all of you, but for me, a lot of times I will know that I love God and I will know that God hates sin, but I'll still choose to sin. And so I'll reflect and I'll be like, why did I do that? Or I'll know that God is my complete security. But then someone will say something that makes me feel insecure and I'll respond out of that insecurity. I'll think, why did I just do that? Where does the sinful behavior come from? And when I was growing up in the church, what I used to hear preached at me and what I understood was that in order to conquer sinful behavior, we need to just man up and try harder. And anyone ever heard that one before? We just need to, you know, just, I know it's hard, but just put your foot down and resist. And that's kind of like redundant. It's like in order to conquer sin, try harder to conquer sin. You know, it doesn't really make sense, but I've thought like that before. And so I had no clue how to handle sin at that point. And then I, I had the revelation of identity. I started to understand who I was in Jesus. Man, that was an amazing time. I understood for the first time, and it was uh, my third year of college, that God is not disappointed in me when I sin, that he is still pleased with me as a son, that God is not an angry principal calling me into his office when I mess up, but that he's a good father. And that, yeah, he might discipline me, but it's at, out of an overflow of love. And that he never looks at me with shame. And the reason he never looks at me with shame is because Jesus not only took the punishment we deserved on the cross, but he also took our guilt and in a mystery, his past of living a sinless life was exchanged with our past of sinning. And when he was on the cross, as God the Father looked at him, he actually saw Jesus committing our sins. That's why Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so when I had that revelation that God is not ever disappointed in me, and I don't ever have to feel the guilt of my sin because it was nailed to the cross. And the only way I could possibly feel it is by climbing up there and taking it down and putting it back in my heart. When I found that out, I got a ton of freedom over sin that I never had before. And that was cool. But then, even though I had made great strides, I still found myself struggling with certain things and loving God, knowing who I was in Christ, but still choosing to sin. And I think that's something that I know I think about a lot. I don't know if other people do, but why is it that 
in one moment, I can be so solid and dedicated to the Lord and at peace and secure. And then another moment, I'm choosing to do something that I know I don't want to do. And this is what I found. This is kind of the crux of my message. That our behavior is not determined by disciplining our behavior. Our behavior is not even determined by who we are in Christ. Our behavior is determined by who we think we are. If I think that I am a liar, if I believe that I am a liar, I'm probably going to struggle with lying. If I believe that I'm enslaved to sinful desires, I'm probably going to struggle with sinful desires. If I believe that I am a sinner, I'm probably going to have a lot of struggle with sin. And I'm not saying that we can attain perfection in this life. But what I am saying is this, there is no sin struggle that you are hopelessly stuck in. That in every insecurity, in everything that is robbing us of peace, in every sin struggle, there is hope to conquer it with overwhelming victory. And I think that's something that we have to believe. But who we think we are is what determines what we do. And it is the renewal of the mind that has to take place in order to get us out of that. So let's read Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Open your Bibles there. Super famous passage. Um, starts off with therefore. I learned in with the navigators in my inductive Bible study that Whenever there's a therefore in scripture, you ask, what's the therefore, therefore? And <laughs> this therefore doesn't just refer to the last sentence or the last chapter, but actually it, ref- it refers to all of Romans 1 through 11. Paul gives his most detailed theological account for the gospel. And then from that, therefore, do this. So big verse. I encourage you to memorize it if you're in here. But let's read verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Like I said earlier, we may love God, but if we don't choose to engage in the process of the renewal of the mind, we will be conformed to the thinking patterns of this world. The church needs Christians that think like God. There are too many churches that we find in our country, in our world, where people show up and they might have genuine love for God, but they think just like the rest of the world. And people look in and they're like, huh, well, why would I want to join that? It sounds like uh, more time commitments, more boring services. I have to listen to people talk to me. I have to read this book from 2000 years ago. And I think the exact same way that I've always thought. No thanks. But when you have Christians who think in a way that is completely contrary to the world, what it looks like is 
constant love being emanated from them. That they have a peace that never is shaken. And people are like, what is it about this person that no matter what I say or do to them, they're just fine. <laughs> and there's the security that people like, I want that security. And people, you'll find people flocking to you. But it takes thinking like God thinks, not like the world. And that takes the renewal of the mind. Another key point from this passage is that we are transformed by the renewal of the mind. That it's not willpower, it's not trying harder, it's not disciplining ourselves that transforms us, but it is the renewing of our thinking patterns that allows us to become people that look, think, and act more like Jesus. Let me give you an illustration of that. So before I came to work here at this church, I was an intern at the Vineyard Mothership in Springdale. A lot of people call it the Big Vineyard. Most of you know what I'm talking about. So I was interning there with students, and I had a lot of interaction with high school guys. And one huge issue and struggle facing high schoolers in this current age is addiction to pornography. And by nature of my job there, I would constantly be talking through that issue with guys that were struggling with it um, at the church. And so we would meet in an office or we would meet somewhere in the building. And what was really kind of heartbreaking is when, they, when I would first see them and they knew what we were going to be talking about, they would walk in and I would look at their face and you could see the hopelessness on their face. You could see that they were just defeated. They believed they were defeated and they were beaten and they didn't know what to do. And so rather than starting off by trying to give practical advice, I would go after that hopelessness thing. And I would ask them, first off, I would say, so uh, let me ask you, um, whatever the name is, do you love God? And they'd be like, yes, I, I do. I, I really do love God. I don't know why I'm doing this stuff, but I really love him. I'm like, okay, well, do you think that you could go a month without giving into this thing out of love for him. And they would look up at me and be like, you know, I, I really wish that I could, but I just don't think I can. I've tried over and over and over again and I keep failing and I don't know why. And I don't think I could. I'm like, okay. Um, I don't think that's true. And they would kind of get like shocked. And I, I did that on purpose. I was trying to shock them. Like, no, I think you could easily do it. And they're just kind of like waiting for me to say the next thing. I'm like, okay, let me ask you this. If I told you that there was a million dollars in it for you, if you could go a month without giving in, do you think you could? And they would be like, yeah, I think I could. <laughs> Every time, not one ever said they couldn't. And I'm like, okay, so it's not your willpower that's the problem, is it? It's not your strength that's the problem, is it? And for the first time, there's hope again. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool, it's a really cool experience. <clears throat> and the same is true for us, that a lot of times we think, oh, this struggle that I'm having or this insecurity that keeps coming out of me or the fact that I keep having issues with this person, I just need to try harder. But that's not the answer. The answer is in how we think about this stuff. 
when I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to do it for love for God. And then I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to do it for a million dollars. If those are different, then that's showing that there is something wrong up here. Because <laughs> God is worth a whole lot more than a million dollars. And so the way that we are transformed into people that look more like Jesus is through the renewing of our minds. And typically, when we are engaging in this process, like I said, sometimes it is a supernatural thing. When I first became a believer in 2010, there was stuff that when I accepted Christ immediately fell off of me and I never struggled with again. And there's stuff that stayed on. So again, it's a both and thing in the moment and a process. When we engage in the process because the instantaneous supernatural work hasn't happened, then um, what we usually find and what I've always found is that there is typically a root cause to whatever behavior I'm trying to eliminate from my life. That there is some lie I've believed like... I can never get over this. Or like, I don't have the willpower to, to conquer this. There's some lie I believed that is keeping me in bondage. Or there is some truth that I maybe could tell you is true, but don't actually believe. Let me give you an example. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. I know people hate raising their hands in church. But raise your hands if you, believe, if you know that God is your provider. Okay? Just about everyone. I would raise my hand for that too. Now, don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you would be absolutely stress-free if you lost your job tomorrow? <laughs> Some people are like, me, I hate my job. <laughs> so what does that tell us? Well, that tells us that we can know something is true but not believe it. And so part of the renewing of the mind is not only finding those lies and rejecting them, but finding out what are those truths that I know are true from Sunday school or from church, but I'm not actually believing. That's how we end. And when you find that root cause, whatever it is, going after that thing is what allows for the renewing of the mind. And so let's take a second to talk about what that looks like practically. Open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I don't want to just talk about the renewing of the mind and not tell you how it's done. So we're going to read verses 3 through 5. This is again Paul. Here we go. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations... And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So he's talking about spiritual warfare here. Resisting what the enemy is tempting us to do. And he says that our weapons are not merely human. They're not human efforts. They're not self-will. But they are spiritual in nature. And they have divine power. And he says they have divine power to destroy fortresses, or another word oftentimes used there is strongholds. What he's referring to there is that when the enemy convinces us to believe a lie or not believe a truth, and 
that lie gets kind of lodged in our brain and we live day in and day out believing that thing, oftentimes subconsciously, an example would be, um, I am rejected and I'm unwanted. And we, that gets lodged up into our brain. That is called a stronghold. And what he's saying is that the strongholds, these are thoughts that are raised up against the knowledge of God. Any thinking pattern, any thought that is contrary to knowing Jesus is a stronghold of the enemy. And he says we have the power to destroy that stronghold and we do it by taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Here's what that looks like. When I was younger, I was always taught by TV or whatever that when someone says something to you that is offensive or that you don't like, let it go in one ear and out the other. You know, oh, they said this to me. Okay, just let it go in one ear and out the other. Well, in mind renewal, that's actually the worst possible thing we can do. If the enemy whispers a thought into our brain, you're unwanted, you're never going to beat this, you are unsatisfied, whatever it is, that thought goes into our brain and it wreaks havoc in our mind for as long as it stays there, goes out the other ear, and then we are left weaker and more debilitated than we were before. And so what it looks like to take thoughts captive is when we hear those whispers of the enemy that are obviously lies, that are obviously not truths of God, we take those things captive in, you know, before they can really start to do damage. And we say, no, I reject the lie that I'm never going to beat this thing. I thank you, Jesus, that I, ha- I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we declare, that, we declare that truth and we reject that lie and we push it back out the ear that it came in. And, you know, sometimes this will happen, well, most of the time while I'm alone, this will happen. Sometimes I'll be around people and maybe someone will say something and I'll feel that negativity welling up in me. Maybe I get criticized or whatever. And I'll be like, hey, I have to go to the bathroom real quick. I'll walk to the bathroom and be like, I reject the lie that I need that person's approval to be at peace. I declare the truth that I'm always at peace because of Jesus. Walk back out, start talking again, feel it again. I got to go to the bathroom again. (laughs) Walk back, (laughs) do the same thing. But the point is, I want to keep short accounts with the lies that the enemy has given me. I don't want to give any of them room to run around in my brain. And so I take every thought captive. I push it out the other way. That has been, there are other ways to experience mind renewal. Memorizing scripture is one. Of course, love and intimacy with Jesus is the thing that fuels this whole process. If you don't have that, it won't happen. But the most effective practical thing that I've ever ever experienced is is by catching those lies and out loud rejecting and and, uh, the lie and declaring the truth. I think out loud is important. Here's why. How did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. When God speaks, he creates. And we are made in his image. So I believe that when we speak out loud what is true, it, partnering with the Holy Spirit, creates faith in us to actually believe that and live it out. Speaking it out loud is important. That's why I would go off to the bathroom, not just due to my head. So, 
that's my best advice for how. I want to give you all three ways to know that your mind needs to be renewed. And then we'll move on with the service. So three things that just came to me as I was thinking about this. First one, other people and my circumstances affect my mood and attitude more than God does. Jesus gets a greater say over our mood and attitude than any circumstance we're going through, any other person, or what any other person might say. Because he's our God. Jesus is our God. And so if I say that Jesus is my God, but I'm constantly at the whim of whatever is going on around me, and I'm constant, my behavior is constantly being directed by my environment, is my environment my God or is Jesus my God? And of course, if you are in that place right now, God loves you so much and he's ready to pull you out of there. There's no condemnation or anything. He's got one small step at a time lined up for you, but it's time to start stepping. Because living slave to circumstances is no way to live. Second thing, I am unhappy most of the time. If I believe, if I'm unhappy most of the time, my mind needs to be renewed. That can sound weird at first because it's like, what about martyrs that, you know, what about Christians that are tortured and what about all that? And that's true. Like, that doesn't mean that we should, you know, always be comfortable. But my happiness is fully founded in Christ, not in what's going on around me. And so I can be happy when I'm going through the worst pain. And this is the other side of this. Nothing gives me more joy than Jesus. If I find that I'm at my happiest time when I get that promotion or my happiest time when I find that significant other or when I'm on vacation or whatever it might be, then Jesus isn't my joy. Those things are my joy. And so nothing should make me more happy and more excited than Jesus. And if that's not true for you, the best way to start is whenever you're feeling down, Lord, I thank you that I am so joyful right now because of Jesus. Because in our, who we really are, which is not defined by what we do or what's going on around us, is always rejoicing. Last thing, I live with unmet needs. I am constantly unsatisfied and unfulfilled. If you believe that, that is not a truth of God. Because the truth is, Regardless of what is going on or what we feel like we need or want, Jesus is enough to completely satisfy us in every situation. This will sound strange, but it's true. If I am in desperate need of finances, the best thing to fulfill that need in me is not money. It's intimacy and relationship with Jesus. Kingdom thinking is contrary to worldly thinking. Because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense if I'm thinking like the world does. But it's true. In every situation, with every need, we might think it's a thing that needs to fill us, but it's always Jesus. We can be totally satisfied and content and fulfilled in relationship with him and him alone. And so when I'm feeling like, man, I really, really wish that I could find someone. If I'm ever feeling that, what I do is, no, 
I thank you, Jesus, that I could never get married and live the rest of my life single. And I would be just as happy and fulfilled in that situation as I am now. We are all fully satisfied and content in Christ. And so I want to invite the worship team and Amanda back up here. We have two choices. We engage in the process of the renewal of the mind or we think like the world. And we don't let those thoughts that are from the enemy circle in our brains for long because the world needs Christians who think like Christ. So let's, before we pray together, we are going to, uh, I want to notify you of one thing that's going to be happening during the first worship song. We are going to be taking communion as a church. And so there will be people stationed all throughout the auditorium serving communion. And for us at Vineyard, communion remembers that all of this is only possible because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That he paid a real price. That he experienced intolerable pain. That he did that because he loved us. And so when we dip the cracker in the juice, it represents his body and his blood broken for us. And we eat it. And that is us receiving again and remembering his sacrifice. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We ask God that you change our thinking. We want to think like you. We want to think like you, God. So we invite you here, Holy Spirit. I've never done this before, but I really feel like I needed to say one more thing. Um, I wasn't planning on this, but a lot of times when we have that struggle ahead of us, imagining living the rest of our life resisting it feels like hopeless. But what I want to say is that the renewal of the mind doesn't give us like just enough strength to overcome that thing that we're struggling the, rule, the renewal of the mind makes us not even be tempted by that thing anymore. I used to, when I was in when I was a teenager, I struggled with shoplifting, and I had some issues with the police, and never struggled with it again. Now it's not like when I, I walk into a gas station now that I feel this like un this like huge desire to steal, and I like have just enough strength to get over it. I don't even think about it anymore. And the freedom that's available to all of us with our struggles right now is that there will be a time where you don't even think about it anymore. Okay? So, Amanda, take us into the next part now. The ushers and the communion team can get set up and come forward. And we're about to receive our offering. And giving is just an expression of just saying to God that we love him and we're committed to him and to his plan for the world. And so as we give, let's just tell God that we love him and that we're giving to honor him. So I'm going to pray for the offering. God, Jesus, we thank you that you are just so worthy by being who you are. And we worship you and we give to you to honor that. And we just ask that you bless the city and the places that this offering is going. 
And we just bless all of the families that are here today. We ask for more of your peace with them and more of your abundance and more of your provision and more of your love. And that we would all just be continually led by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The ushers can receive the offering now.